podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My friend Joe is a speechwriter, and he always tells me, Nate, if you really want to emphasize something, you've got to say it three times. You know, that will really hammer home the point you're making. I saw Joe the other day, coincidentally, down the pub. He's been working out. He's been on the Dolly Parton diet. I've got to tell you, man, it's really made Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was difficult to get through. That was really difficult to get through. I love how you couldn't get through it and you were laughing already towards the end of it. Oh, man. I mean, I love that joke. It's just so stupid. <laughs> it's possibly the stupidest thing I've ever said. And that's, there's, you know, that's saying quite a lot. Yeah, that is. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, good. I, good. I was, I, I, I was wondering. <laughs> I thought maybe this might be silence at the other end, but um, no, I was impressed. Meadows didn't, didn't move, didn't move Meadows at all. But he doesn't give the ratings. He doesn't give the ratings, does he, Lazar? No, and importantly, Nate. I do, yes. and I loved it. Exactly. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I love that you laughed towards the end. <laughs> yeah. I love that you laughed before you even started the joke, before we hit record on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would go um, into an I outtakes episode one day. <laughs> Nate, it's a 10. Oh! oh. <laughs> yes. oh. That's amazing. So what? That, I, was, I was not expecting there. a 10. Pause. You couldn't believe it, could you? you I could not. Wow. I mean, the, the the lows of two weeks ago are well and truly gone. Forgotten. I'm back, everyone. I'm back. Oh. Nate's back. F1's back. We're all back. Welcome to the Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, F1 correspondent and presenter. I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. I'm Nate Saunders, hilarious man from ESPN. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, Nate, I'm not buying your new job title, but <laughs> Lawrence Barretto, this is brand new information. It is. Sorry, right. I didn't mean to uh, didn't mean to steal your thunder there, Lance, with a, with a fake a fake job title. <laughs> I enjoyed you spiced it up a little bit. Uh, I have got a new job title, chaps. Congratulations, mm. dude! One, but I'm now F1 correspondent and presenter. That's so awesome. Is it a promotion, or did they finally suss you out? <laughs> I think they probably finally sussed me out. Yeah. So it's a pay cut and and lesser responsibility, right? <laughs> It is a uh, change in job role. No, it's a promotion, uh, mate. Come on. Don't listen to Meadows. <laughs> and it's a pay rise. He just won't say it, but it, it must be. I could tell yeah. by the grin on his face. He just doesn't want to talk money. Yeah, I mean, no one can see him, but he's currently wearing a big gold chain. Uh, yeah. it, just says, it just says money. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gone away on holiday to treat myself. That's why. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Private Baller. jet flew out there today. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I, I mean, that's the only way to travel now, chaps. So that's part of my new deal that I get to fly on private jet everywhere. That's pretty good. No, it's not. Jeez, you guys, you actually believe me? No, it's not. No, I, I believed you. Uh, it's, on, it's in podcast form now. <laughs> Meta's cut that bit out when he clarifies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm. I thought he already flew that way anyway. I thought I'm pretty sure that was part of his previous rider, but apparently yeah. it's new. I think that was part of his job demand. He was like, "Look, F1, I'm a bigger deal than you think I am. Give me a private <laughs> jet." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
the Barretto 747. That's what he's nice. What he flies on. Oh, that's got a really nice ring. It to does, it. doesn't it? Move over, Boeing. Yeah. Got a new, <laughs> got a new carrier in the house. <laughs> it's not. Doesn't really fit with the green messaging, does it? Yeah, we can run on 100 percent sustainable fuels. Oh, nice. Good save. Good save. Now yeah. I see why they promoted you. There you go. <laughs> this sucker now, getting promoted. No wonder. The, the, <laughs> the excitement in your voice when you got to say that, that did stun me, which is why it took me so long to actually work out what was going on, uh, tells me that this is genuinely, though, brand new. Like, how new is this role? Um, as of today, as of March the 1st, um, I am officially under that job title and, and that job role. <clears throat> I've been doing a fair bit of it already, sort of, you know, obviously the presenting side of things. Um, and this is just very nice of the company to um, acknowledge that. Oh, so is is that why you were saying you were bored and didn't have enough to do in Barcelona testing? Because like your new <laughs> job means you don't actually do anything. You just like every other presenter, just hang around and wait, talk to the camera for five minutes and then just sit down again and complain about, I don't know, not having enough coffee. Honestly, I was running the around. Paddock. at one point. I just saw Lazar and he just did the, you know, the, the raining money. Sign, yeah, he just did that to me, and I looked, I was like, What do you mean? He's like, This is what my job is now, it's just raining <laughs> yeah. money. And I was like, Oh, yeah. mate, as I was carrying, you know, I don't know, lots of work down the paddocks that we do. I don't know, yeah, we can. I think the key is to make it look effortless, chaps. So, really, I think you're just giving me a massive compliment, of course, of course. <laughs> but, joking <laughs> aside, mate, congratulations, and thank you, please, if you wouldn't mind paying the next couple months of my bills for me. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, no, but seriously, it's very well deserved. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Do you know? Are you going to have your own show? We're going to have like the Barretto show, or like I'm not the sure Lawrence Barretto show. The Barretto show. Late night with Lawrence Barretto. Late breaking with Lawrence Barretto. Ooh. Porpoising. Yeah, it's going to be LB with LB. Porpoising with Lawrence Barretto. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't want any porpoising chat. Good. LB yeah, with LB sounds good. LB with LB. Oh, oh, mate. I yeah. think I well, well, Meadows and I both came up with that. So I want. I know. 33%. I might hire you guys. I might hire you guys as do it. That, that is what you've got here, right? You know, you hired us to be your hype men on this podcast. That's exactly what our contract no, is. It was like, guys, I want to my... be the host. I want to be the first name on the intro. I want to rate the jokes. <laughs> We've just done everything for you. <sighs> and it's been great. Guys, <laughs> and yeah. also, thanks for that turn earlier. That was really nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of tens, <laughs> Nate Saunders, everybody. <laughs> Ladies. Anyone? Well, speaking of tens, or actually Anyone? fives, we have a five-star review uh, from Australia, from Safjul. The land down under. Indeed. Go on, sing it. No. no. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, I was really looking forward to that. So much for that new gig. Uh, <laughs> it's The review's titled, The Not-So-Serious F1 Pod I Was Looking For All Along, which I really like. Um, oh. So it's always entertaining, somewhat chaotic, rarely dull. Love what this pod has to offer. A good chat between mates, brackets, some insightful commentary, and a slice of what life as an F1 journalist has, is like. This has quickly become my favourite podcast, despite the jokes. Oh, Safjul, I think you've picked the wrong day to say that, seeing as Nate just got a 10. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's, as they say, not aged well. But uh, <laughs> thanks for the review, though. It's very nice of you. Yeah, really um, appreciate it with you. Always and Nate's jokes, I can, I can say, are, you know, on the majority of side, 
I think most of them have been above like seven, I would say. So, you know, days like today are historic and special, and we must treasure them. Well, only three tens now. Yeah, jeez. Three tens from LB on LP. (laughs) Branded. (laughs) Branded. Well, it was good to see you guys at Teston in real life. I thought you were just going to just... Call it then. I thought you were like, yeah, I'm done with this yeah, episode. This has been an announcement guys, episode you know, for, for my, for my yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, just that to, was it. Just want to let everyone know, and then uh, I'll see you later. I've got things to do, places to be, people to see. No, I thought you just wanted to maybe chat about testing, guys. It was fun, wasn't it? I, we called it right. Let's be honest. We did the the far too early review episode after one day, and we basically—I don't know if we said, you know, obviously you can't read it into anything, and Merck and Red Bull will still be good, but we hyped up Ferrari a little. Only a little. We did. But, I think fairly. Yeah, by and the end of the week, I don't see any reason not to still hype up. Like, Ferrari and McLaren looked good. They They're did, up there. yeah. But everyone, we were kind of like, I think what's going to happen is those two teams are going to be closer to the front, right? At least. Yeah. And I, think yeah. That I, I would yeah. happily put money on that being the case now. Even if they're not, like, right up there, I think clearly they're, those four teams are, like, in a similar kind of space, which is really fun. Like, Four teams all in the same kind of like, even if they're just fighting for like regular podiums, you know, snatching like a podium off the third, the you know, the second running Red Bull or Mercedes, it makes the title fight even more interesting, doesn't it? So, um, bring it on, I say. And that's because Beretta's already told us that things will look very different in Bahrain. And by told us, he tweeted and I read it and it keeps appearing at the top of I, the pad hop feed. But yeah, you tweeted that, uh, Merck and Red Bull were going to bring big old upgrades yeah so that is that's my only slight concern for ferrari mclaren is that benotto is saying the ferrari is essentially going to be the same that they bring to bahrain and red bull and merck are going to bring quite significant upgrades um which is what they did a couple of years ago right and basically yeah like merck do it reasonably regularly don't they i think they they tend to to leave it till the second or the final test um to bring something up updated and red bull looking at that was a pretty uh, eye-catching car that they would revealed it testing but it, it was kind of but then you know from what i've heard you know what people i've spoken to they're going to bring in sort of a, a step on from that it won't look the same we'll just look more evolved it'll look more refined um and i suppose that's what will be interesting is whether they've got three days at bahrain whether that's enough to kind of get on top of that package whereas ferrari hopefully if they were smooth bahrain and mclaren too they'll start the year you know, with a package they hopefully know reasonably well. Yeah, and I think the the good thing, even if those guys are bringing a new car, it's worth saying, like, Ferrari and McLaren could still bring some new stuff. Maybe they won't be able to bring as extensive a package, because we know that Mercedes and Rebel are very good at that, but I like the fact that, out of all those four teams, Ferrari and McLaren really didn't hit any major issues in terms of mileage, right. and we know that that means you basically end up in a situation where first thing on the first, the first day of the second test, you can suddenly be like, right, let's go looking for performance now. Rather than, you know, a team like Alpine, who obviously lost basically a third of their running, how much of that stuff they were doing in Spain are they going to have to carry over into Bahrain? You suddenly lose hours, you suddenly lose, you know, you just fall behind on everything. So I'm excited about that. Um, And I'm also excited about the fact that Meadows is on the phone and he's now off the podcast episode, (laughs) uh, which is unprecedented, (laughs) unprecedented behavior. Um, So we're just going to keep talking between ourselves. In fact, let's just boot Medland. Hashtag boot <laughs> Please tweet us just... with hashtag boot if you want us to boot Medlin from the pod. There'll be a boot as well. And then well, we can like just rena- rename this. 
the Nate and Lazar show. Oh, mate, let's do it. When he comes back, we'll be like, mate, we'll carry it on. And then in the dead of night, we'll just we'll just start a new one up. Yeah. Nice. He's not oh, even we could at him. just go. We, when he's not paying attention, we'll just go on to Apple Pods and uh, rename the show. Yes. And uh, there's nothing he can do. That is. That's we it. need we need names. So hashtag boot Medland and then come up with a new name, please. Uh, I will, And I'll read them all out. Instead of Medland's reviews next week, I'll read out all the names of our yes. Rebel podcast instead. Hashtag yeah. boot Medland at the pad hoc. Do it. And go, we'll do go it. now, go now. Um, and he's still not he's still off the phone. Remarkable. <laughs> um Lazar, question as 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 you know, you you I think got trackside a couple of times. Am I yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah which was I, cool. Did you go as well? I did, yeah, yeah I did. And I, I just wondered out of out of that, which cars stood out for you from just just kind of because from a technical point of view, I'm you know we're we're not the experts on that, but you can tell a lot by a where a car goes through certain parts, especially of that track. You know, there's some heavy braking bits. There's obviously top of turn nine, ten when they come through there. Like some of them are just like planted to the floor. Did anything stand out for you, good or bad, from any of those those cars? I mean, without wanting to put, uh, to continue the Ferrari hype train, I thought if anything, the Ferrari looked the best of all of them. Uh, it just looked like it was on rails. I'm the same as you. Uh, Nate, I'm not, you know, technically I won't be able to call specifics about how the car is behaving on track, but you can see what looks good and what doesn't look good. And uh, the Ferrari and the McLaren, for me, were probably the cars that looked the best out there. Yeah, same. Welcome back, Meadows. Uh, we didn't plan a Rebel <laughs> podcast without you. Don't worry about it. We've, uh, just, yeah, sorry about we've that. just been talking about racing, racing only. I ha- hashtag yeah, boot Medland. Remember, hashtag boot Medland. <laughs> well, I'll bring a little bit of colour. Um, I was called by a Formula One driver who wanted to know when they would hear about this FIA stuff because we're all waiting on the World Motorsport Council to make a decision on, well, to say something after their extraordinary meeting today about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Um, and I'll let people guess who that might have been who wanted to know what was going on because it might affect them. So, and no, it wasn't Nikita. Um, so, yeah, um, it was just kind of saying, don't know, still waiting, expecting something fairly soon. But, we had a podcast record. We couldn't wait any longer. And we wait for no governing body <laughs> or council. We do what we want, <laughs> which Can't will date that. this podcast very quickly. But anyway, there you go. That's Meadows, why Meadows I was just, so rude. Just dropping, dropping in a phone call. I was there making fun of him. Like he's on the phone to someone. He's on the phone Doing to an actual job. driver. Doing wow. his actual job. Craziness. Impressive. Yeah. Um, well, while you're away, Meadows, uh, we were just talking about testing and what look what cars look good out on track what cars do you think look good on track all of them uh in terms of they look what a cop out this guy what look quick though what cars look good handling wise honestly the one that stood out to me and i don't think it was necessarily that look it was just a trait it had it was the mclaren and i think i mentioned it on last week's pod but a didn't see it poor poising if we're going to keep talking about that uh, at any stage uh, certainly didn't notice it. If it was doing it, it was subtle. But yeah, didn't see it struggling with that at all. B, it ran a lot. Uh, it was it was out a lot. I think Ricardo had the second highest laps. Was it Science had the most and, and Daniel was second? Um, so I think that was um, quite encouraging for them. And then third was the fact that they could run the car lower than anyone else it looked like. Um, so it was sparking and no other car was sparking. So they obviously, like, that... Bent, that shows that they look to have a handle on the whole poor poising stuff. So, um, yeah, that kind of stood out to me as as promising signs for them. It, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to be quickest or anything, but I think it's a team that's probably 
pretty happy with their work. Um, and the Ferrari did look just a, such a solid runner. Um, there weren't many, admittedly, that I looked at and saw issues with. I saw Alex Albon lock up once. Um, and I think Lewis missed the first corner once. But I was actually surprised at how easy the cars appeared to be to drive. Like how mm-hmm. yeah, few mistakes cause... there were and how every driver seemed pretty comfortable in them. Because we heard that over and over again, didn't we? Like these cars are going to be so difficult to drive. They have to learn how to drive again, basically. And um, I thought the same thing. I thought it was remarkable that other than the two teams that struggled last year, the mileage for teams was pretty good. Like the, Obviously, yeah. Alpine had the issue that Lazar and I were just talking about um, when Medland was smooth-talking an F1 driver. Um, smooth. Smooth-talking. But like... There was no, you know, no team like spent like an entire day locked in the garage or anything like that. Like, I mean, Alpha, Alpha are probably a bit worried about mileage. Haas probably are, but I feel like certainly the impression I got from Haas is that they're still kind of happy with where they're at with the car, despite the fact that they didn't get great running from it. They're like, well, it's not, it's not like they're they're also not happy with where the car's at. So I, I don't know. Like, I was expecting there'd be a wider range of like teams in real trouble at this point, thinking like, oh my god, like we're we're really up against it. Um, but I don't know what you guys, maybe maybe you guys had a different feel of that situation to me. No, I totally agree with you. And the the other team that actually looked like at one stage they might be in a bit of trouble was Alpine, like from the yeah. first two days. But we didn't see anything from them. Like they didn't have DRS open. They were doing kind of nothing that would show any potential pace. But then the final day looked like a disaster in the, in the sense that Fernando's car caught fire. He did 12 laps and that was it. And they were done for the test. And you like, oh, they're on the back foot. But in those 12 laps, he did his fastest lap of the week comfortably. Mm. And they just made a few changes to something and suddenly got a lot more out of the car when he wasn't really pushing. So I think they even found a good direction where they're like, okay, yeah, this is more like what we're aiming for or expecting. And yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't see a team that is cut adrift at the back. I don't see mm-hmm. one that is a long way off. And the the spread, I think if everyone had had so Alpine were just about in there anyway. But I think if everyone had had a, a little bit more just a little bit more running rather than, you know, uh, obviously still reliability issues. But if we just got a little bit more from Haas and Alpha in terms of mileage, I think lap time wise, we're looking at within two seconds, the whole field, um, yeah, maybe less. So. I mean, we haven't seen it all turned up from anyone who can go very, very quickly, but not, you know, even the ones that were struggling certainly hadn't turned it up or shown anything. So I think the early signs were for a really promising kind of close field, despite how different all the, designs are which is mega if that does come true because i mean you know we're talking early but you know this is all we can do right now we haven't got any more evidence but at the start of a set of regs to be at that point if you've got a fairly close field that's brilliant because a it means you're going to get good racing from the start or you know close fights from the start but b moving forward they should only get closer really and it's normally what happens over time so we could end up you know with so many teams closely matched which would be awesome the big worry wasn't it was it would spread massively so far touch wood haven't seen um, anything to make us worry about that too much. Well, look at how far ahead Mercedes was in 2014. Obviously, that was on the engine side, um, and, and this isn't an engine reg change, but like that took years for people to even get close to them. And then, you know, we had another regulation change in 17, another one last year that kind of finally brought Red Bull back into it, but it took that long to really give someone like a, a legitimate shot of actually competing over, over a season. So you're right, like the fact that the starting baseline could be these cars all fairly close together it's pretty exciting so um it would be a real feather in the cap for the like guys that wrote the regs if that is the case because that's exactly what they wrote them to do um so there'd be more people getting promotions in your 
in your company, Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you again. They were like, it's, it's on Pareto. It's all down to me. No, it's not. It's not. <clears throat> it is. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> he crossed his fingers. Um, I, think it, second bit. <laughs> I think it's great that they look at this stage um, to be as close as they are. Um, but then you kind of touched upon it that everyone would run in like low engine settings. No yeah. one would have been pushing yet. Um, and as soon as the likes of Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari and McLaren start to stretch their legs, then I think we probably will start to see um, the field stretching out a little bit. But I think with the new rules, surely the idea is that you're start, you've got a better starting point. So in a year or two or three, that that should help the field become much more close. So it was always clear that things were going to stretch out a little bit to start with. Um, let's just hope it's not as stretched out as it could have been. It, it doesn't look buzz- like it will be. What yeah, a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, but I think part of it is, <laughs> if you look at, from a PE point of view as well, like most of the teams now have good knowledge of those. So they won't, they don't need to turn. It's not like, you know, Williams need to turn the engine up massively to find out what it can do yet. Sometimes I know that engine suppliers kind of encourage their customer teams to do it first before the works team do it or whatever. But on the whole, you know, they've, I mean, has anyone, no one's changed supplier this year. Everyone's had at least a year, but for most a lot longer with their engine suppliers. So they kind of know what they're working with. So they don't need to go kind of hard at it early. So I think it's largely going to be, most teams haven't shown anything yet. And I know that doesn't mean that they all automatically make the same step forward. But um, yeah, I think the signs are just uh, the early signs of promising, which is which is really good. Um, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily going to make it um, easier to overtake in the sense I think George said, and I don't know if you guys chatted about this when I was running around, but um, George said that he followed Lando for a number of laps on Thursday, I think it was, and sat right behind him. And he was like, it's good. I could follow him closely. But there was hardly any slipstream effect on the straight. So I sat like two tenths behind him down the straight and didn't get any closer. So it's like it actually makes it harder to overtake in that sense because you don't close up on the car in front in the slipstream to then try and outbreak them. But you can stay right behind them through the corners. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I think if I imagine from the sounds of it, you know, if Lando had DRS open as well, just to try and keep George behind him, then that would play a play a part. But you'd like to think that just one car with DRS versus one car without would create the difference you need. It might actually be that DRS is actually a really good tool to have with these new cars. We, you know, we'll see. Because it looks like a big old unit when you see the videos, don't you? When they open the DRS, yeah, it it's huge. a massive wedge. That'd um, be pretty funny if DRS became everyone's favourite thing in F1. Like, for so long, it's just been like, ah, oh, dear. Like, it's been good. Like, it does help overtaking. But there's some times when you're like, that was so easy with DRS. Like, And again, it was a byproduct of the cars not being good. So, yeah, that would be quite funny. DRS becomes yeah. everyone's favourite abbreviation <laughs> <of> f1 <laughs> yeah i mean i mean speaking of favorites though nate let's get on to your favorite livery nice doing this again i i, have I mean just please i mean by but i guess we all know what it's going to be right it's the it's the most recent livery no so that is in my top three but it's not i'm going to stick with mclaren stick with ferrari at two and then put alpha at third because i thought that was bloody lovely loved that car it is bloody so. lovely so it nearly, I was, I was, I was thinking this morning. I was like, that could be my favourite car. Then I looked at the McLaren again. And I was like, nah, it's not better than that. And then I looked at the Ferrari again. I was like, it's not better than that. But I was talking to Lawrence Edmondson at ESPN because I'm putting a, a, a livery vote together for later in the week. So come back to ESPN, even though I just gave you my top three. Pretend you didn't, <laughs> pretend you didn't hear them, and uh, I, I might just make a make a new top three up. <laughs> uh, just for that article. <laughs> um, but actually, like listing out liveries, like the which car looks the best. It's really difficult this year because, like, I was looking at it and I had like, I can't remember the exact order, but let's say you know Red Bull or 
something was, you know, or Williams are like fifth or sixth. It's like, that's not, that sounds really harsh when you put something sixth out of 10. But I liked, I like pretty much all the cars, but obviously the Haas is just a plain white car. I've heard they might tweak things around a, a bit for the second test, but I don't feel like that's going to, you know, that's not in the list. But I don't really like, like the Alpine for me is the one that has dropped right down. But other than that, I really like, I really like all of them, you know, and it was really, so from a, I think you used a great word for it, Beretta, which was palette. You said the palette is complete for F1 when Alpha put theirs out. And it is like the, the range of colors on it is really nice. And we've had, a, there was a few years where there were a lot of cars that just kind of looked a bit dull and this really, and with the cars looking as nice as they do, I think it's a great looking grid, like a picture of them all Definitely. driving down to the first corner. Um, and I think Bahrain's going to justify me saying McLaren is number one because that car has that beautiful luminous color on it. Mm. And under the lights, I think that's going to look absolutely breathtaking. And hopefully it's, you know, it's at the front of the pack or near the front of the pack in Bahrain. Uh, I think that look amazing. So I think everyone's going to see turn one. They're going to be like, regardless of how exciting it is, the world collective is going to be like, Nate Saunders was right yet again. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to turn the TV off and they're going to, they're going to sit down. They're going to construct a tweet to me. And they're like, Nate, I'm sorry. I respect you. I respect your opinions and I love you. <laughs> and then they'll hit send and they'll go back to the race. And the McLarens, the McLarens will be in the pits <laughs> for some reason. I, I've heard that, you know, over the um, start, finish straight, they have just like a gantry that quite often is just scrolling through advertisements and it'll be, you know, golf fair or whatever for Bahrain and that sort of thing. Other airlines are available. Uh, it's actually <laughs> going to come up uh, as the lights go out and the whole field just accelerates away under that start like gantry. It's just going to come up with Nate was right. Yeah, um, I heard Beretta has that power to do that now with his new job title. So um, looking forward. I like to the idea. That. I would. I would prefer we Nate as one. Now that they've got we race as one. Rid of that. So we Nate as one over the over the gantry. What does, what, does like. what does Nate what does that mean? Take? Yeah. What does it mean we to just, Nate? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the verb to Nate. What does it mean? Um, I don't know really. I think. I mean, it means all sorts of things. You know, it means entertain. Uh, it means insightfulness. It means love, <laughs> and it means I don't know. It, it means talking nonsense on a podcast. Oh, well, I like while, that. While your friends look at you like, "What's this guy saying?" Uh, no, but I think I, I would. I think that would be a great addition to the race. To be honest, just more Nate stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> more Nate stuff. Please. Nate. More Nate stuff. All, all around the track, your face plastered around every single track. I mean, if that's not going to get you excited for the new season, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is either, frankly. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean... Terrifying thought. It Less Nate terrifying. stuff, more Bretto stuff. Bretto, yeah. has your top three changed? No, my top three remains the same. So what was your top I do three? Like the, remind, I, do, I, do like, I do like the Alpha, but... Um, but it doesn't quite crack it. So it remains Ferrari, Alpha, Tari, Williams. Nice. Yeah, Alpha and Alpha and um, sorry, Alpha Tari and Williams are the two that I really struggled to not put in my top three because I think they're really lovely cars. It's just I prefer those other three a bit more, and they're a bit more color. Like there's a bit more going on with the other ones. I don't know. Alpha Tari as well. Like I think they they probably lost points for me because I'd like we've seen it before, whereas the other ones all looked like. There was that, like they were all Definitely a bit new. Yeah, Whereas yeah, like the Alpha Tower is a gr great livery, but they haven't changed it. So for me, it's like, well, I knew that was going to be like that. So 
yeah, you haven't seen Red from Fry before. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, wait, come on. All right, pedantry at its highest form. Uh, no, but the Ferrari with the darker red and the black wings. Remember, everyone, hashtag boot Medland. Medland, <laughs> Medland doesn't know what that is because he was off the pod. But I assure you and I assure him that I will be checking that hashtag before we go live next week. Hashtag boot Medland. <laughs> Interesting. Medland, I'm going to have to listen back to this episode now. Yeah, well, when, when I edit it, edit it. Uh, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to find out, which will be interesting. I might just cut it and just, you'll get some really bad <laughs> dubbing. I don't even know what it is, but you'll just suddenly go hashtag boot mate. Uh, <laughs> 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 <really weird. laughs> anyway, until I find that out, um, I think Alfa Romeo might have made me change my top three. I'm, so I, I'm still with Barreto that Ferrari wins. Uh, just yeah, uh, preseason world champions. Uh, second, six years in a row, <laughs> indeed. I think I had it's like the community shield, isn't it? Still <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, or the pro bowl or something in uh, American sports. Um, I think the I think I had Williams second. I think I'm gonna stick with Williams now. I still haven't seen photos that I feel like do it justice on track. Watch when I saw it out on track, I thought it looked great. But then I looked at I saw a photo of it on Twitter I think earlier today and I was just like, one it's there's more going on with like the way the colours and shapes are actually different shades of blue and things it's actually quite cool. Um, I feel like they've nicked a bit of the Jack Aitken abstract kind of shape stuff. It's mm. yeah, it's nice, but um, yeah, I still don't think it shows it off well enough. So people might disagree, but I I maintain it's a good looker. But I'm going to put Alpha Romeo third, booting Alpha Tari down the fourth. Um, I think for the reason you said, Nate, and there's a little retro hint there, isn't there, like Marlborough style. That and they've got that they've got that great, great name on the engine cover, like written out in in retro yeah, style. And like yeah. it was more white than red before, and now it's like predominantly red. And it just looks I don't know, it just makes it look nicer. I've I've always had a thing like white, like cars that have more white on them than the main color. Other than like the Braun GP car was was just like an iconic looking car. But most of the time, if it's like mainly white, I don't know. I just feel like I'm just like, come on, like you could have done more with that. So it's really nice. I'm I'm glad you put it in three as well. So we both put it three. Yeah, you had it here first, Alfa Romeo finished third this season. Yeah, no, wait, based on its livery. Sam yeah. Collins, who's a tech journalist, a colleague of Lawrence's, actually would absolutely despise us right now for this because we've done I know a good, like five ten minutes of livery chat, and he hates All it. Right. Then he just wants to talk about the cars, right? Let's do two minutes then of car design. Like take the take livery off. Only one then. Favorite car design, looks wise oh. te- technically. This is not my strong point. This is not my strong point. I think there was so much of a buzz about the Ferrari and its um, inlet. You know when it was because the thing is, I'm sure you guys are the same as me. Like. Obviously, we see these cars so much. You end up getting a, a good idea of who's done what, which 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 concepts. Like the tech guys are like, that's amazing. And the, so when the Ferrari came out, obviously we hadn't seen the Red Bull. The Ferrari, I thought you see it and you're just like, holy shit! Like they've either built like the the best F1 car looks wise, and I mean design as well ever, or they've just like made a mistake with it. There's just something about it. You look at it, and you're like, for me, it looks like an F1 car should look, especially under these regs. So I put, I'd actually put that as number one. I thought the Red Bull was really interesting, but I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it looked like you could, t- you could see Adrian Newey like all over that, couldn't you? Like that car, like him just being like, no, no, no make that, make that, make that deeper, <laughs> make that go even further in there. And everyone's like, okay, I mean, I suppose we can. Um, 
but yeah, for me, the Ferrari just looked, um, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know if they were all painted white, whether that would still be the case, but it just looked fantastic. Like everything, it looked like everything like went into the next bit perfectly. Yeah. And when you compared it, when there was a shot I saw of the Ferrari going down the main street with the McLaren behind it and another one with the Ferrari with the, I think it was the Williams behind it. And you can, and th- that's when you see just how different it's gone to, especially like to some of those other kind of midfield and lower midfield teams uh, in terms of design. So I would say that one. Uh, I think I agree with you. Uh, Red Bull was close to getting in there because that's really, really radical, isn't it? Like the shapes on that. Um, well, that's probably like the say, most different one, isn't it? Of, of well, like a bit, but that looks radically, like it's, radically different, I would say. Yeah, that, that's the one that looks like they've really pushed like everything really tight. Uh, in certain areas but it's taking like the the concept of like undercutting the side pods to a massive mm. extreme whereas ferrari is just a totally different idea to to get the side pod shape they've got so i think that's why ferrari win uh and i still love my williams i think the williams nose looks awesome my williams um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's uh like I'm, I'm defending it like all year long um yeah the, the front end on that looks really cool um but yeah i'm, I'm gonna side with nate here and ferrari win this even without the livery I quite like the Alfa Romeo. Um, I think that's just a very tidy looking car. Um, I thought the I, the the um, Louvs or whatever they've been called, you know, the the cheese graters, the shark fins on yeah. the Alfa looked really like when they. Obviously, that was the point of them having the camouflage, but that looked really impressive on the car they released the other day. Like you could really see, like it was almost like half the car was a toaster, basically. Like, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Anyway, sorry, mate. But yeah, in I, I depth was... technical analysis from Nate Saul. Yeah. yeah, half the car is a toaster. Not well, more than <laughs> half, two halves of the car. Wait, that's a, a full car. Come back to me when I've learned learned how fractions work. That Correct. might take some time, mate. <laughs> it will. I'm still. <laughs> um, I agree with Meadows on the front end of the Williams. I like that. I also like uh, the bits that you were talking about on the Ferrari as well. Um, I like it all, really. I like them all. I like them all. There we go. I'm going to sit on the fence. <laughs> they've all. What I like here is that they've all got something quite cool, and I wonder whether they'll all. Everyone will be pinching ideas off everyone else, and I'm interested to see what like the final version will be when they all sort of start to conform towards each other i wonder who's going to pick what from where and who's going to yeah who's going to feel like they they had the best ideas to start with i'd love to know in a few weeks or a few months to know like get all the tech guys in a room you know like james key you know all, all, all those guys from all the different teams and be like which car genuinely made you think like shit <laughs> when you saw it like that's <laughs> yeah. good that's yeah. a good design because one of them has to have done it. We've talked about this a few times, but I'd love to know that. And looking at the Ferrari, like I feel like that's probably one where they've maybe not said that, but they've maybe been like, oh, okay, interesting. Like that could be a game changer. So, but but it might be there was a completely different one that we're not talking about that they all were like, that's something we hadn't thought of. So I love, I love speculation like that and stuff in hindsight. Yeah, but I think that kind of will depend also on how competitive everyone is. And if... I'm right in being optimistic that it'll be f- actually fairly close um, or closer than maybe we were thinking it might be looking at the different designs that maybe they don't pick one out in that sense. They might like all the different solutions or think it's quite cool. But if they're all fairly closely matched, they probably wouldn't trade it because it's not a huge difference. But um, yeah, that's it'll be, in- be interesting to see if that if that happens when we get to Bahrain because we're going to see a lot more there. So we've got the yeah upgrades that are going to be coming. We're going to have, I guess, more representative weather. There's going to be some 
Nate, we'll get to see you running under the lights because I think it's running 10 till 7 each day rather than 9 till 6. Yep. So awesome. you're going get to some, get some floodlights on the cars. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Bahrain in the sense that we should just see people turn it up and it should go from what was. I know, like, Bretto's going to roll his eyes here, but I know they tried to call it a shakedown. And of course, it wasn't a shakedown. It was a test in Barcelona, but there was... Rolling still, my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> but there was still a feeling that, you you know, you weren't seeing a huge amount from anyone too too early. The closest I felt like we got that from, actually, was Merck at the end of the final day. Lewis doing a load of mm. short runs on soft tyres. Um, I'm sure they had shed loads of fuel in the car in low-engine modes, but were just pushing the tyre to see how it held up over a lap. Because he did it with the softest compound, the C5, where he went purple set the one, purple set the two, and then fell away in the final sector. Because obviously using that tyre, just it wouldn't hold on for a whole lap. But he then like adjusted it and went a tiny bit quicker. So, yeah, that was probably tire learning more than anything else. But that felt like the, f- the first time I really saw someone going with quality sim almost. But we'll get a lot more of that in Bahrain, especially because they've got the race there. So they'll learn a lot about how they want to approach the race there. So um, that's what I'm most excited about when we suddenly noticed a, a car go out at the right time on softs and be like, we're going to get some speed. Joe, you know I'd love to see from this this first couple of races is that we find that there's a car that is like, was almost like built for Bahrain. You know, not I'm not saying it was built for Bahrain. Like they were like, we've got to win the Bahrain. But we get to Bahrain and there's a car that's like, this car is amazing here. But very quickly, it becomes obvious that like, oh, it's actually quite a peaky car. Like it, there's going to be, ve- because you'd, you'd have a first race and a first result, which then when, well, I mean, I, I don't know, Saudi might not be too different, but when you get into like the European leg of the season, you might have that car drop off. I don't know. Like, I feel like that was one of the things promised this season that you could have cars that are very good in some places. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, like that's where those different designs, uh, we might see that play out a little bit more. Um, but also we don't know what the tires are like, do we? So tires could, tires could decide the whole season. What a great pod that's going to be. <laughs> still so many unknowns though, right? The very fact that we're yeah. saying this, there's still so much we don't know. Um, admittedly, we've only had three days of running, but um, yeah, it's a good I job. What know, I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> this has basically been a podcast of us saying we don't know, but we like colours and pretty cars. But- also, do you guys think that things are going to change quite quickly? So the team who's going to be strong in Bahrain won't be the team that's strong maybe next time out in Saudi or next time out in Imola or maybe in six or seven races time. I think it's going to fluctuate quite a lot. As long as there's not a clear, yeah. As long as the team's not a second up the road, then yeah. But I think if anyone's a second up the road in Bahrain, they're going to still have an advantage. Like that mm. gap won't disappear over track to track. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, I agree. I think, th- yeah, they're going to be pushing because last year, like, there was so, like, even, even Mercedes and Red Bull, like, you start turning your focus to this year's car in some way. Whereas now it's all into this. Like, if you get this year right, it sets you up for the next four or five years. So there's no, nothing is gained by holding back or looking to, like because even even the idea of like oh we're we're looking to next year's car it's like we kind of have to develop this year's car to a certain point so that it benefits next year's car if that makes sense like you can't just be like race two like all right everything goes into next year because it's like well this car's like a baseline for the rest of this no the rest of this like era that we're going going into so i think that's quite an exciting point of it and um yeah and the cost cap makes it interesting as well doesn't it because i feel like that over this season is going to play out in a really interesting way um because in previous years, it's just like, all right, one team's just going to spend and spend and spend. But obviously, the theory is that won't happen again this year. So we'll see. Should we talk about the elephant in the room? 
Yeah. What's the elephant in the room? I think that's why yeah. he calls me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're still waiting on w- WMSC to say what they're going to do off the back of the IOC, saying Russian athletes should be banned from competing um, in and Belarus, Belarusian as well, uh, from pretty much all competitions, which I saw, I was amazed actually at the response on Twitter to putting it out there yesterday when that was announced by the IOC. The amount of fans that were like, this is so unfair on Russian drivers, you shouldn't do that. And I like, it is, yeah, but you still have to do that. Like the, the whole reason, it's not about, oh, well, we can just cherry pick who we think is a good guy and that they should keep their seat or be able to continue racing. And this one, you know, maybe they're linked to some bad money, so they can't. Like the whole point is to put pressure on in a much wider political situation. Like sanctions worldwide have been huge and they've hit real innocent people like on both sides from like Ukrainians that are getting affected by this is horrific. But then I saw pictures from Moscow today because I think Google and Apple Pay blocked um, access to those apps in Russia. Normal, innocent, everyday Russians that have nothing to do with this and don't want a war are then having their like lives heavily disrupted by it. That is to put pressure on politically to say, stop what you're doing. This is not right. It's rather than going to war. So if sport, like sport is meant to be a, people saying about, I think Kriak came out today and said, you know, I want peace and sport should unite. And it's like, actually, this is sport trying to unite people. This is sport trying to say, we can make a stand here, say this is wrong. Like, you know, they, they'll open up straight away again as soon as like action is taken that stops a war happening. But I was just amazed at the amount of people being like, oh, no, a bit harsh, though, because they're a fan of Robert Schwartzman or they're a fan of Danny Kvyat, so they want to watch them race. I'm like, this is so much bigger than that. Um, and I, I really just kind of wanted to have a little rant at it before we finish, because A, it would be odd <laughs> yeah. if we didn't, but B, with the WMSC still not having made a decision, we can't be too um, responsive to whatever they say. Um, but yeah, I just, I was I was surprised. This is you know way, way bigger than um, who gets to drive the motor race. Yeah, I could I could tell you wanted to get that off your chest, which is fair enough. Like you know, I I think you you said it pretty well. Um, from a racing perspective, who would you guys? I know this is you know in the grand scheme of things is less less relevant, but from a this is a racing pod after all. Like, who would you think at this point is the candidate or the main candidate to replace Nikita? So Steiner said um, when I asked him that it, at the moment, well, well, this was last week during the test that Pietro was gonna. Uh, mm-hmm. fill in if at testing if Nikita couldn't drive at testing um, and was basically you know he is their reserve driver he's first on the list but I think as soon as they know if they have to make a change that's going to be you know a seat they're trying to sell they're going to need to make money from it um, I mean maybe Pietro can get some solid backing to get you know to actually have a few races at least and try and make it his own but I mean there's some other drivers out there you'd imagine it has a knock-on effect that Schwartzman can't do it but Giovinazzi maybe if Ferrari want to get him back on the grid um, and that will give them a good benchmark against Schumacher. I'd yeah. love to see Piastri in it, personally. I did, Same. Did, chat, did chat to him a lot in Barcelona, and he didn't seem confident that it would come his way. But, I was, you know, it, it needs Alpine to go, right, we'll pay X million dollars to put Oscar in there. But I think it would be excellent for him if that happened. Um, I kind of think they're your three, really. Um, mm. Fittipaldi or Giovinazzi or Piastri. I don't know if I've missed anyone. No, uh, I mean... Yeah, I think those are those are the three. I we I wrote a list earlier. And I I had to put Kevin Magnussen in there just as a popular left field choice. But I, yeah, like I'm sure that phone call might happen at some point. But yeah, I think if I was listing it, I'd put Giovinazzi clearly out there in front, just because the Ferrari ties. I think that if you're Ferrari, he gives you a pretty good measuring stick of Schumacher as well. Like yeah, you know, I th- I think Giovinazzi's yeah. better than he looked when he was at Alpha. Like I 
you know, I know he's, I know maybe he splits opinion, but like, you know, he did do pretty well against Kimmy and he always had a pretty uncompetitive car. So that'd be interesting to see him against Mick. And if, you know, if Mick beats him, Ferrari know exactly, you know, the measuring stick there. And let's be honest, like Mazepin was a terrible measuring stick because he was never anywhere near Mick Schumacher. Like, you know, he was just slow. So I don't think from Fittipaldi you'd get that same thing. And also, Giovinazzi there is a big step up from having two rookies driving like Haas did last year. And we've been talking about development. Like, I think that's going to be key. So nothing against Fittipaldi. Like, I, I really like Pietro. I think he's a, like he's a really nice guy to talk to. And he's actually, remember a few years ago, there was quite a bit of hype around him. You know, he was, he had the Indy 500 lined up for 2018. He had that crash. It felt like that took a lot of the wind out of his sails at that point, which I always thought like that was just such bad timing. He has obviously done the Indy 500 last year, but like it felt like there was some really good momentum building from at that time and it just kind of it kind of killed that that momentum so that'd be great and i think that would be nice man as if what you said is true like pietro gets a couple of races to kind of show what he can do um but yeah i think the ferrari and giovanazzi link just seems to make a bit too much sense um but we'll see like i'd love a like a completely left field uh scott mclaughlin get him in indycar winner would love to see that um, i mean that would be amazing i'm not saying that that is going to happen but you know that would be incredible yeah, an IndyCar. I don't think. Type. Yeah, I don't think they'll go left field. Unfortunately, no, I think they'll, it's not really a Haas move, play. is it? They don't no. really do left field. They do. They do things that make sense to them at that point. Yeah, um, which is why putting Pietro in the car for a couple while they sort out a deal with someone else makes yeah. much more sense. Um, Ferrari really rate Antonio, so I support what you're saying, Nate, about mm. Antonio. I think it makes sense to put him in for all of the reasons that you mentioned. But I think that Piastri makes the most sense for everyone, really, even Alpine, yeah. because he's part of their he's part of their academy. But at the moment, it's not entirely clear how they're going to get him in to the car. Well, this, you know, this is the issue with it's the issue with Alpine, isn't it? Like, where where does he go? Yeah, so it would, and they do really they are bigging him up big time. So I don't think if they loan him to Haas for a year, two years whatever, that's going to be a bad thing because they can always lay claim to him when there is a spot in, in the work team and then he'll have precious experience. I think, you know, Mick will have gained a lot from being in a team when it wasn't, no one really expected too much of them. So Piastri can have that benefit, can't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the same way that Fernando got it when he first got into Formula 1, like getting into a team at the back, towards the back and having no pressure is huge, really, for, for your career, or can be huge for your career. So I, I think that Antonio makes the most sense, but I think Piastri, for the better of Formula 1, would be, I think would be the best thing. I've got one other name to throw in there. What about Nick okay. DeVriest? Oh. Because yeah, if I, you're looking I, at I, I thought big teams with like potential money that would want to put a driver in um, to know what they are capable of, basically, I think if it's not now, it's never for DeVriest. He'll never get a shot. Yeah. Um, it's whether Merck rate him highly enough that they'd want to see that. But if suddenly a seat opened up, I mean, you know, he was kind of in the talks, wasn't he, when there was Williams and Alpha and stuff last year. Um, mm. You never know. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a bit too left field for what Haas are likely to do. But also, I imagine Haas will make sure it's, you know, they'll make it clear to all teams that you know, feel free to mention to us if you have got someone, and, and we'll consider them because if they can start a bidding war for that seat, you know, they're, they're going to have yeah. a deficit to fill. So, um, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if that's another name that comes onto it. But um, yeah, it, it's it will spice up a little bit driver market time, won't it? Um, next couple of weeks, the way it's looking, and you know, I I don't know if it will actually really hurt Haas that much in terms of the driver perspective. I think they just need to get out and running consistently at testing whoever they've got in the car they haven't learned enough about the car yet but um mm. driver wise i don't think any driver that might have to come in now 
would have actually missed out that much based on how the first test no, went. I agree. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's why maybe they want to make a swift decision there and just get someone in and be like, you're the guy. Um, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of because everyone's kind of learning these cars, you know, so they can't, you know, everyone's in that kind of similar situation. So, so Jimmy Johnson is then. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Young Let's buck. get Jimmy Johnson in. What a way to finish the pod. You heard it here first. Jimmy Johnson shout out. I like it when you go rogue, mate. I know. So do I, actually. I might do it every, I might end every episode like that, just shouting Jimmy Johnson's name. <laughs> um, well, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, chaps. Let's do this again sometime. Thanks to everyone who is still listening. Remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com, Medis' work on Racer.com, and my work on F1.com. And we'll do this again very, very soon. Remember, boot medland. Hashtag boot medland. Bye. Network.